0: Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. This is going to be an episode that will be somewhat out of this world, so to speak. But I have a couple of quick announcements before we begin. The first is that I did an interview on the Mystic Drop YouTube channel one more time, The Mystic Drop. They have an interview with me out there about the Zodiac Killer. It is episode number 5 and of course, um, if you'd like to download the audio of this program for free, you can go over to Launchpad One. Launchpad One, under the same name, Black Box Online Radio. It is the user-generated affiliate of Podcast One. You can download this program, the audio, that is, as a pure podcast, take it on the go, anywhere and anyhow. And of course, another great way to support the show is by visiting Amazon.com. There's a link in the description box to the book, Killer on a White Horse, by me, Ned DeHaan. It is a murder mystery, novel, totally fiction, but in the description box all the same. And of course, another great way to help out the channel is to go over to the Teespring page, have a look at some of the merchandise, t-shirts, and now coffee mugs, but uh, let's get away from that and start talking about some of the um secrets of the true crime world, so to speak. Now, I'm going to give this episode a disclaimer. I'm going to be sharing my own analysis of these events, even though I'm going to be pulling from many other true crime writers. At the end, I'm really going to be giving my own observations, because I think that there's something original that unites all of this together. The first is, you guys know that I follow the Stones Unturned podcast, which is hosted by Thomas Henry Horne, and last year on his show, he would talk very frequently about a guy named A. Michael Pascal, Arthur Michael Pascal. And this, um, guy wrote a book called Hospital Security and Safety. And he was convicted of the murder of a woman named June Mincher Mack. And the reason why I started looking into, um, her story was because I did an episode recently about the Long Island serial killer. I have an ongoing series about the, uh, LISK, L-I-S-K. And I would invite you guys to like and subscribe, follow along with all of these. And through, um, DNA research, and uh, genealogical investigations, they were able to identify one of the Long Island serial killer victims as Valerie Mack, and not only was she a victim of the Long Island serial killer, but she was also a prostitute sex worker, and I was reminded of um, the story of June Mincher Mack, and I didn't understand a word of it, this thing about A. Michael Pascal and June Mincher Mack, so that name stood out in my mind. I'm like, I'm finally going to read up on it. I wanted to find out, how is the story of June Mincher Mac in A. Michael Pascal revealing anything about the shadow network of cult-like activity, the secret practices of Elite, the criminal underworld? What really is going on? And um, let's just have one quick sentence here. Arthur Michael Pascal, when he was 54 years old, was charged with the shooting death of June Mincher. She was gunned down on May 3rd, 1984, on a sidewalk. Okay, now, that might not sound very extreme, but once I began looking into this, I saw that there were two convictions in the murder of June Mincher. Her name is June Mincher. June Mack was an alias, I believe, that she used, and sometimes she's referred to as June Mincher Mack. But the second person who was convicted in the murder of June Mac, was none other than, do you want to take a guess? I think you can guess. His name was Bill Menser. Of course, because he's in the title of this episode. And I, when I read that, I was like, are, are you kidding me? Bill Menser? The guy that had the connections to the Manson family? The guy that Maury Terry talked about? The author of The Ultimate Evil? The guy who might also have connections to the Son of Sam case? Ah, so one starting to recognize some of the players... But not only does Bill Menser have the allegation of crossing paths with Charles Manson or something that could be connected to the uh, process church, he is also a suspect in the Zodiac Killer mystery. And um, Murderpedia has an entire case laid out for um, Bill Menser being the Zodiac Killer. First, I would like to just give um, a very small introduction Uh, Bill Mincer was born in 1949, and he was convicted for two murders. The murder of Roy Radin, R-A-D-I-N, who was a New York producer. That's like movies and theater producer, that is. And June Cassandra Mincher, also known as June Mincher Mack, the woman that we talked about. Now, let's look at um, this case that has been laid out for Bill Menser being the Zodiac Killer. It's all written out here, and this was written by Jamie Schram, just citing the words. The notorious San Francisco Zodiac Killer, who mysteriously dropped out of sight almost 30 years ago, uh, this one was published in 2003, mind you, 30 years ago, after a bloody reign of terror that left five people dead, may have been in hiding, but hiding in plain sight, locked away in prison for two unrelated murders. A post-investigation unearthed compelling links between the 54-year-old William Menser, who's serving life without the possibility of parole for the uh, those for the um, crimes that we've already talked about, and the police profile of the Zodiac killer is somewhat similar to William Menser. The dramatic new information has been turned over to the San Francisco Police Department, which for 35 years has searched for the fiendish killer. These appear to be some compelling. Parallels here," said Mark McNamara, the public information officer for the San Francisco District Attorney. We have to give some serious thought to this. Okay, now let's um, look at the bullet points that they have here for Bill Menser believing for Bill Menser to be the Zodiac Killer, The reason why they believe that Menser could be the Zodiac. Investigators say that the Zodiac had military training. Bill Menser served in the Marines during the Vietnam War and claimed ten kills. I would also throw in the interjection, yes, I do believe that the Zodiac had somewhat of a military background. I'm not exactly sure what. I think maybe Michael Cole had um, a good observation when he said, maybe ex-navy, maybe ex-air force. And um, but we uh, you just heard that there. Bill Menser was a marine. The Zodiac murders began in 1968, shortly after Bill Menser returned to California from Vietnam. Now, this is something that is uh, rarely talked about. Could the Zodiac have been a Vietnam vet? Sometimes, sometimes with certain suspects. But um, with many suspects, I find that they do not have military service in Vietnam. Oh, Korea, absolutely, but, um, and some of them even back to World War II. However, Vietnam I don't see too frequently. In September of 1969, the Zodiac stabbed two of his victims with a bayonet-like knife that he had in a handmade sheath that was fastened with rivets. Benzer said he had a job making rivets at an aerospace company around the same time of the attack. He also said that he carried a bayonet in Vietnam. As far as the rivets on the Zodiac's um, sheath at Lake Berryessa, um, the Lake Berryessa stabbing occurred September 27, 1969. The Zodiac definitely carried a knife that he used to murder Cecilia Shepard with and stab Brian Hartnell, but... I'm not sure if we can comment on the rivets that have been, that were on that sheath, because the only thing we have is Brian Hartnell's memory of it, and I doubt he was paying too close attention to the rivets. He had other things on his mind at that point. The Zodiac wrote letters taunting the media and the police. Menser said that it was fun to F with them. That's all it says there, but I think we're left to leave something up to our imagination that Bill Menser... Um, Said it's fun to F with the media and fun to F with the police. In the letters, the Zodiac drew a diagram of a bomb and threatened to blow up a school. Bill Menser, who once had a job driving a school bus, told the Post that he had military training in demolition and kept plastic explosives. I mean, I'll give them credit for that. As you can see, I'm somewhat skeptical of Bill Menser being the Zodiac killer. But the Zodiac did draw the bus, bomb, diagram... Or, yeah, you said my bus bomb got washed out by the rain. Former school bus driver has military training and familiarity with explosives. I mean, I will, as I said, I'll give them that. A survivor of the Zodiac attack said that the Zodiac spoke in a slow monotone with a slight drawl. Menzer had the same speech pattern. I don't know if it's um exactly a slight drawl. Um, uh, Nancy Slover definitely said that the Zodiac spoke in a monotone. She is a dispatcher who heard the Zodiac on a phone call. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. She said he spoke in a monotone, and um there was no accent, like no recognizable accent from a foreign country. Then his voice got lower and then higher. And Brian Hartnell also noticed an unusual speech pattern about the Zodiac killer. When I hear the word "a hey, draw," I think that um almost sounds like a regional thing, and uh, definitely no no one has ever reported like um, a southern draw or like uh, any type of regional accent in the Zodiac witness sightings to the best of my knowledge. The Zodiac randomly killed five people and severely wounded two others during his crime spree, which began in the Bay Area during the late nineteen sixties. The police said. But in the letters and cryptograms sent to the San Francisco Chronicle and the Los Angeles Times, the Zodiac boasted that he had committed more than 30 murders. Yeah, the famous plus 37. He also threatened to pick off the children as they came bouncing out of the school bus. All right, you got some guy who's like an ex-Marine, Vietnam vet, and a um, former school bus driver who has familiarity with uh explosives. Yeah, that's the kind of person who's going to write a threatening bus bomb letter. I completely follow you there, but to see the exact person who wrote this one. The psychotic killer mysteriously dropped out of sight in 1974 after a final letter to the press. Well, that's um not exactly proven. I mean, the authorities seem to believe that those communications in um 1974 were the ending ones. If you go over to com or listen to the podcast Zodiac Speaking... Richard Rennell talks very frequently about how he believes that the Zodiac communications Mm -hmm. went well into the 1980s, and it actually is the same letter writer that someone is taking credit for these crimes, or that the letters are authentic. I think that would be the best way to put it, and Richard can always correct me if um, I misinterpret something. The psychotic killer mysteriously dropped out of sight in 1974 after a final letter to the press. Bill Menser is serving... A life sentence for the savage L.A. murders of a theatrical producer, Roy Radin, in 1983, and a prostitute, June Mincher, in 1984. Radin was shot more than 20 times in the head, and Mincer then put a small stick of dynamite in Radin's mouth and lit it, and blew his face off. Oh, this Bill Mincher guy, he sure sounds like a peach. When Mincer was asked if he shot June Mincher seven times in the head, he told the police—oh, sorry, he told the post, excuse me— No, I think it was eight. One week after the the initial interviews, the Post confronted Bill Menser with the information linking him to the Zodiac killer, and he said, I am not the Zodiac. He turned. I'm not some crazed killer, but I think I know who he is. Well, I mean, that is a blatant denial. I mean, obviously this guy's being very weird in some respects. Just have this desire to make people... Um, uncomfortable in a deceptive kind of way. Where even it's almost like a liar's paradox, where someone tells the truth but they're making it sound like a lie. And that—that's my initial response to that. There, but most suspects simply say the whole Bruce Davis thing when they're like, "I'm not going to comment on a crime I haven't been charged with." He, I mean, there, you do have it though. I am not the Zodiac," he said. Bill Mentzer, also said that he met the Zodiac when they were incarcerated at the California Correctional Institution in the early 1990s. He described the Zodiac killer as a 240-pound black man. Now, I wanted to bring special attention to this line, because I think I know what this means. Bill Menser was convicted for two murders. The uh, murder of Roy Radin, that theatrical producer, as well as a movie producer, and June Mincher Mack. June Mincher was a prostitute, but she weighed 245 pounds, and she was black. It says very clearly in that article that I was just reading off from uh, UPI was actually the source for that one. And, um, I mean, um, in UPI.com archives, Arthur Michael Pascal was charged with the shooting death of June Mincher, a 245-pound prostitute. And she was African American. So I think that might be a reference to um to his activities. And about Arthur Michael Pascal, he was convicted later on, I believe Bill Mincer is the first conviction, and Arthur Michael Pascal is actually testifying against him at the trial. But then new information is uncovered, and Arthur Michael Pascal is also implicated in the murder of uh, June Mincher, and then he goes on to be convicted, uh years after Bill Menser. And on to the next point here. After Menser was handed the Zodiac links, he began to read the document as his forearms pulsated. He spent about 15 minutes reviewing the information, accusing him of being the Zodiac killer, and made five minor corrections and one significant change. He began to read the document and his forearms pulsated. Wow, do you just see a little bit of fantasy-filled journalism in this? Bill Menser noted that in 1966, he was based at Camp Pendleton in Oceanside, California, which is near Riverside, well, and also Oceanside. That's the site of the murder of Ray Davis in 1962, but I digress from that, and Riverside is, of course, talking about the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. The Riverside killing mentioned that the Zodiac later took place a few months before Menser left for Vietnam. That would be October 30th of 66. There were no reported murders until... Bill Menser returned to California about two years later. All right, well, I think you can get the idea there. They're trying to say that the Zodiac killer did indeed murder Sherry Jo Bates. and The reason why there's that two-year gap in activity is because he went to Vietnam, and then he came back. I mean, I don't believe that Sherry Jo Bates was a genuine Zodiac victim. I've been over it a hundred times. You can hear more about that on the... um. Episode that is on the Mystic Drop, episode number five, where I appeared. But um, about Bill Menser, point number one, I also have to give credit to Murderpedia because they posted this um, list of points that I just read off that have been written by Jamie Shram. And this is a There's another response from the same year, 2003, that was written by Allison Soltau. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, S-O-L-T-A-U and she has um, written out a response from the authorities in which they disagree with Bill Menser being the Zodiac Killer. The identity of the notorious Zodiac Killer remains elusive as ever, according to the San Francisco Police Department. But they dismissed evidence proposed by a New York tabloid that implicated a California prisoner named William Menser. The Zodiac has been a morbid fascination after the public's imagined morbid fascination of the public's imagination since he killed five people and wounded two others in the late 1960s. The killer, who shot strangers in their cars and threatened to blow up children on a school bus, led the police on a fruitless chase with a series of cryptic letters sent to the San Francisco newspapers and phone calls to the department detailing his crimes. Despite the initial starting-ling parallels between events in Bill Menser's life and the serial killer's cold-blooded spree, Homicide investigators said that they discarded the physical evidence presented to them. It's a non-starter, San Francisco Police Homicide Inspector Kelly Carroll said. I think that Bill Menser would be somewhat of a weak suspect. You definitely would have to do better than, well, he carried a bayonet in Vietnam and um, the Zodiac Killer had a knife. It resembled a bayonet at Lake Berezo. We aren't even 100% sure of that either. And also, I mean, what really is the hard piece of evidence? Like, he was a school bus driver, and the Zodiac said, bus bomb. He was an ex-Marine, and uh, he had knowledge of explosives, and the Zodiac said, bus bomb. Guesswork, guesswork, guesswork. Assumption, assumption, assumption. But what's more valuable to talk about in a true crime discussion is... Bill Menser's genuine connections to to just that, the true crime world. I also follow the program, the Tate LaBianca radio program hosted by Brian Davis and Tana Laufenberg. They brought up Maury Terry and his theories on the Manson-Son of Sam connection. Because Maury Terry was a believer that there is this link between the Son of Sam slayings in the 1970s and the Manson family activities in the 1960s, and also the murder of a woman named Arliss Perry that occurred in 1974. Now, Brian Davis, the host of that program, went on an enormous spiel about how Maury Terry tried to implicate a certain man in the murder of Arliss Perry, and his name was Bill Menser. And he's like, they figured out who committed the murder of Arliss Perry. His name was Stephen Crawford. He was a security guard. He was the man who found the body of Arliss Perry and first um alerted everyone. He was convicted because of DNA in, um 2018, I believe, rather recently, and then he went on to commit suicide after that discovery. So Brian Davis' assessment of this is that this guy Bill Menser may not be that enormous of a player in all of this stuff, whether it's the Zodiac Mystery or the Manson Family or the Son of Sam Slayings, because he said Maury Terry was wrong about that. It wasn't Bill Menser; It was Stephen Crawford. And if he's wrong about that, and he's wrong about the case of Arliss Perry, what else is he wrong about? However, though, let's look at this article from um, APNews.com, and I think I can answer that. AP News, Los Angeles. Two ex-bodyguards convicted in the 1983 Cotton Club murder of New York producer Roy Radin avoided the gas chamber with a jury's decision that they spend their life in prison without the possibility of parole. The panel's recommendation came on Friday and ended the month-long penalty phase of the Superior Court trial of Alex Marty, age 30, and William Menser, age 42, both former bodyguards for Hustler publisher Larry Flint. Marty and Menser were convicted of slaying Raiden during negotiations for the 1984 movie The Cotton Club, which was directed by Francis Ford Coppola and starred Richard Gere. Marty and Menser were convicted in July of first-degree murder, with special circumstances of kidnapping and killing for financial gain. Prosecutors had sought the death penalty for the two. We thought the death penalty was warranted under these circumstances, Deputy District Attorney David Cohn said. But we feel the jury's verdict is something that we cannot quarrel with. Charles Cervantes, a public defender who represented Bill Menser, said the jury's recommendation came as a relief. The whole thing was about life and death, Cervantes said. We felt there were too many extenuating circumstances in this case to warrant the gas chamber. Marty, who acted as his own lawyer during the penalty phase, told the jurors that he preferred death over spending his life in prison. Evidence produced at the eight month trial showed Marty and Menser were paid for the slaying by Karen Laney Greenberger, and Laney was a nickname that she used, Laney Greenberger, who introduced Raiden to Robert Evans, the eventual film producer. And that's going to go on for a bit, but this woman, Laney Greenberger, believed that she was cheated financially, that she was getting the smallest cut, and that she wanted revenge, so she had these contract killers murder Roy Raiden, the way you heard, shooting him and then putting the stick of explosives into his mouth. And this is what is telling about the criminal underworld, that this is what is so revealing. Contract killers, people who are paid for hire, these criminals have interactions, because as you see, someone else is also implicated in the murder of the other victim, June Mincher Mac, and his name was Arthur Michael Pascal. And there are interactions among these criminals. There is a criminal underworld. I mean, all of these people out there who are trying to dismiss this stuff as just it's a conspiracy theory, no. There are black markets. There are contract killer markets. People are so comfortable talking about the criminal underworld when it deals with the drug lord's. And it deals with large shipments of um, some type of drug from the cartels or something like that, or the Golden Triangle Warlords and such. People will talk about that. But there are also going to be smaller level criminal interactions that don't really make it into the media too frequently. And if they do get into the media, they get dwarfed by some of the other media coverage. Let's keep going. Prosecutors claim that Mrs. Laney Greenberger was furious that Raiden was not going to split the potential profits from the cotton club with her. As I said, she felt she got cheated. Mrs. Greenberger, an admitted cocaine dealer and Evan's former girlfriend, also blamed Raiden for the theft of $1 million in drugs and cash from her home in Los Angeles. Now, this is something else, though. Some of these movies can be a front for drug dealing operations. The drug trade is enormous, and people in the drug trade higher contract killers. Are you seeing something here? Elite circles, criminal underworld. And sometimes we do learn about it, but like, I'm sure you're like, all right, yeah, there's a criminal underworld. All right, yeah, people get murdered because of billion dollars drug deals. Okay, we already know all this. It's just a point that doesn't get emphasized too frequently. Mrs. Laney Greenberger and a fourth defendant, Robert Lowe, were convicted in July of second-degree murder and kidnapping. Prosecutors said Lowe drove a limousine, drove the limousine that was used in Raiden's death. Mrs. Greenberger testified in her own defense and was, an adam- was adamant in declaring that neither she nor Evans was involved in the murder of Raiden. She portrayed herself as the unwilling pawn of Bill Menser and Milano Bellachasse, another former lover who testified that she sold drugs. Her defense suggested that Belachases arranged, arranged to have Raiden killed for cocaine. Evans ultimately produced the movie after Raiden's death. Marty will be formally sentenced on November 27th, and this article was from 1991, so, um, yes, this is definitely an older one. On November 27th by the Superior Court Judge, Bill Menser is uh, to be sentenced as well on November 27th, and, um, these some events for must have had an enormous legal holdup for a 1983 murder, and as well as the murder of June Mack in '84. Uh, but I think that it's very telling, and I think that it reveals so much about how people are going to turn a blind eye to this stuff that there are intersections among criminals, and there are intersections among criminal networks, and there are contract killers who are hired to bump somebody off. There are contract killers who are hired to murder somebody because of a botched drug deal, or using the movie as a front for drug money, and so on. Believe it or not, um, I get very curious about how these, um, like films are made, and part of me is like, I want to see The Cotton Club right now. I'm probably going to dislike the movie immensely, but I still want to see it, and even though it led to the deaths of some people. But I think it's also important to say a big rest in peace to June Cassandra Mincher Pack, as well as to Roy Braden. No matter what, though, I don't believe that they deserve to go out like this. And I would also like to point out that this was somewhat of a tabloid sensation back in the year 2003. There's even an article from the New York Post titled, Zodiac Suspect in Prison Isolation, referring to none other than Bill Menser. It is is almost a very weird moment in history when, I guess, people were all thinking that Bill Menser was the Zodiac Killer. And other than pointing out a few details that may have lined up, I mean, I don't even think the Zodiac Killer was an ex-Marine, as I said, ex-Navy or ex-Air Force. I agree with Michael Cole on that, as well as some of the other Zodiac theorists like Drew Beeson and Thomas Henry Horn have also both talked about how they believe their suspects are ex-Air Force. And I would just like to conclude with something about um, Arthur Michael Pascal in the murder of June Mincher. Investigator pleads no contest in woman's death. Mm-hmm. This is a title of an article from the LA Times written by Julie Tamaki. Private investigator Arthur Michael Pascal was handcuffed to a wheelchair and nearly blind from diabetes, and he entered a plea of no contest Tuesday to voluntary manslaughter charges in the slaying of prostitute June Mincher and accused of harassing one of the clients. Arthur Michael Pascal was 56 years old at the time he entered his plea inside the courtroom of a Los Angeles Superior Court with Judge Charles Horan, nonetheless. Bringing bringing an end to a case that began almost nine years ago with the shooting death of June Mincher, Mincher was working with a Lavender Rolls Royce who became involved in a telephone relationship with Gregory Allen Cavalli, a Beverly Hills investigator, they said. The relationship sourced when Cavalli met Mincher in prison, and Cavalli rejected her because of her weight. As I said, she weighed 245 pounds. She began a campaign of harassment against Cavalli that grew so serious that his firm hired a that um, he hired Mar- Arthur Michael Pascal to protect Cavalli's uh, family, according to the police. But then, um, as you can see, the situation boiled over. June Mincher was gunned down as she walked along Sepulveda Boulevard on May 3rd, 1984. Cavale was originally charged with Mincher's slaying, but was acquitted by a jury after a 1985 trial. Pascal was later implicated along with two men he allegedly hired to kill Mincher and we have already said um, who definitely one of them is, Bill Menser. When he is sentenced in November, Pascal faces a maximum term of 11 years in prison and up to $10,000 in fines by pleading no contest. Pascal avoided a lengthy trial that both prosecutors and defense attorneys agree could have taken a severe toll on his already declining health. Well, no, no matter what, he's still responsible for the murder. Deputy District Attorney Sally Lipscomb described the plea agreement as fair, noting Pascal's serious medical conditions. Defense Attorney Joy Walensky said Pascal maintains his innocence, but described the agreement as necessary, giving his medical problems. Considering Mr. Pascal's health, the trauma the trials tend to generate, it was an agreement that had to be reached. And um, just one point of clarity, the other person who was involved with the murder of June Mincher was not Marty, it was um Robert Lowe who was li- implicated in the uh, Cotton Club shooting as well, just being clear that um in this crime, the murder of June Mincher Mack, it is uh, William Menser and Robert Lowe who are hired by Arthur Michael Pascal, the author of the book Hospital Security and Safety, and as well as running this type of contract killer security operation, Bill Menser, who pled guilty in December of 1981, was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and admitting to shooting uh, June Mincer seven times in the head. Now, um, as we just heard, though, from Murderpedia when he was questioned about that, he said, I think it was eight. Bill Menser subsequently testified against Robert Lowe, the alleged driver of the getaway car who was acquitted of the murder last February. Well, it sounds like somebody cut a deal. Had the Mincher case gone to trial, Bill Mincher was expected to testify against Arthur Michael Pascal, who was accused of setting Min- Mincher's slaying into motion. I mean, from the events that we've gathered here, I'm not some type of psychic historian, but it seems like, yeah, he did. Like, you have Arthur Michael Pascal calling the shots and then Bill Mincher going along with it. Mincher was shot to death as she walked with an acquaintance, Christian Pierce, age 24, who was also shot but survived. Oh yeah, um, I believe Bill Menser was actually also, um, it's, it's either Bill Menser or Arthur Michael Pascal. There's also an attempted murder charge that was included because that friend who was walking with June Mincher was also shot. Authorities uncovered the alleged involvement of Pascal and Menser and Lowe in the Mincher slaying during the investigation of the unrelated Cotton Club case. See, that's just it. They're unrelated, but still it's the same people. It's the same criminal network, the same criminal underworld, and they're just killing these people for different reasons. It's absolutely heinous and disgusting. June Mincher was 29 years old and went by the name Raven and had, been billed, and had billed herself in local newspapers as i don't even want to say this sexy black and indian goddess that was another apparent name that she went by they also learned that she had been involved in a long-running dispute with kavali who then was 24 and answered one of mincher's ads in 1983 and began calling her frequently and then as you heard there's a dispute and it sounds like june mincher did some uh very um inappropriate things but that didn't mean that she deserved to be murdered After the telephone relationship was months old, investigators said Cavalli went to Hollywood and was repulsed when he saw uh, that June Mincher did not match the description in her personal ads. Well, I guess that was that. That was the end of a love story that didn't need to be told. So you have this guy Cavalli. You have Arthur Michael Pascal. You have Bill Menzer. They're all criminals, and they're all working in conjunction with the people who are, like Lainey Greenberger, who are working as, you know, the front people for this drug smuggling operation. the using the Hollywood business as a front for massive level drug dealing to the tunes of millions of dollars. And... They're all interconnected. The criminals are interconnected, and I definitely don't think that people like Maury Terry or Thomas Henry Horan or even uh, this Jamie Schramm who wrote that article that I read off first about Bill Menser being the Zodiac Killer, I don't think that's what they intended for people to take away from their writings. I mean, Maury Terry is openly saying that there's this group called the Process Church, and Bill Menser is a member of the Process Church, and he's the link among all of this, and or the Process Church is the link among all this. The Process Church, the children, the murder of Arliss Perry, but the um, authorities seem very confident that Bill Menser did not kill Arliss Perry and that it was Stephen Crawford, so... I would just say that the hard facts that we have is that there is interconnection in the criminal world from the drug dealers to rich people who hire contract killers, who then hire the actual murderers, like someone like Arthur Michael Pascal. He sounds like an intermediary, but it shows you that there is this mass world of dark money, there is this black market, there is this interconnection of illegal activities that's going on in the world. And it's absolutely sickening, but it's it it is it's there, it's just lurking in the shadows. And that's where I would like to leave it at for now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And one more time, you can uh write me at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Blackbox Online Radio. You can download the show for free at Launchpad One. And I will see you over on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.